Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to our draft pre-show for day two of the NFL Draft. Rounds two and three will be getting underway. Seven o'clock, that's a little over two hours from now. We're recording this at about 4.30 Eastern Standard Time. Of course, I told everyone that I was going to be updating the mock draft with uh, round two selections, round three selections. We're going to be doing the same uh, for the third round come Saturday. But uh, we just wanted to make sure we got this call in, gave you a little bit of what to expect. So that's what we're doing on this call. So going into round two, a couple of the stories that are going to be playing into the storyline today. Uh, Randy Gregory, where does he ultimately end up? Uh, he was a guy that we thought that maybe someone would take a chance off in the end of round one. I'm thinking he will go somewhere off the board today, possibly the end of round two, maybe somewhere in the third round. We will see where he's actually going to get to uh, once we do our run of our picks here. And again, don't expect the same number of correct selections that we had last night. We were on a roll there for a while, but we do expect a lot more wheeling and dealing today. Uh, as many as seven or eight, uh, I'd say the first six through eight picks that are actually on the board for today, teams are already being contacted as far as what it's going to take to move up and potential suitors and what's going to happen. So this is going to be a day that's going to be, uh, I would say, pretty eventful, and I, th- I think we're going to see a number a number of deals going down. And because of that, it, it we're going to see the board scramble a lot. It's going to be hard to get that type of uh, those type of, of numbers again for for correct picks. But again, just seeing the the mocks, seeing where these guys will end up, it should be about the same range where we will see these people. Uh, but it probably just won't be the uh, direct, again, with the direct picks. So, again, the uh, first team that we'll, we'll have on the clock today, it's going to be uh, going into our uh, mock draft here on uh, on our site here. We wanted to go through the picks here also. Uh, Tennessee is going to be the first team on the clock, and, again, with them taking Marcus Mariota, uh, we actually have them going with an offensive tackle at the top of the board, Jake Fisher. And why not? It makes perfect sense. Why not take the person who protected the blind side of Marcus Mariota when he was actually at Oregon, so he's reuniting there with his teammate, uh, putting, putting him there with Mariota. Uh, Michael Lower was signed just after, after being there for one year. He has already left for Carolina. You've had uh, Michael, Michael Lose uh, is already uh, he's uh, retired as well, so there's a few holes along the Tennessee line. A couple of areas they could go, maybe a playmaking linebacker, uh, but where we have them going right now is with uh, Jake Fisher. And that's the thinking behind the next pick on the board as well. Uh, Tampa Bay at number 34, T.J. Clemens, the offensive tackle from Pitt. Uh, someone there to protect Jameis Winston also. Number 35, a guy that uh, we really thought was going to go in the first round last night, uh, maybe as early as number 24 going to Arizona, Eric Kendricks, the inside linebacker from UCLA. We have off the board number 35 to Oakland. And uh, don't necessarily think that going in the second round is a bad thing. If you do know that uh, Eric Kendricks, his brother, Michael, was actually a second-round pick of Philadelphia, still plays there, and he was the Pac-10 defender of the year of the year that he came out in the draft. 
So this is not necessarily a bad thing that Eric Kendricks will be there in the second round. You pair him with Khalil Mack, who the, the Raiders got at the end of last year. Uh, and again, he, he started really paying dividends. The second half of the season, Khalil Mack was probably the best rookie in the class. Uh, then I think we're going to see a couple of the running backs go off the board as well. We did see two go in the first round, but we're going to see a couple, um, I would say anywhere from maybe three to five backs going in the two, rounds two to three tonight. At uh, number 36, we have Jay Ajayi, uh, actually from Boise State, going number 36 to Jacksonville. Again, I was a proponent of Jacksonville maybe trying to trade back, uh, maybe looking for Todd Gurley. We thought that if they moved into that 8 to 10 range, and that's probably what it would have taken because uh, Gurley went number 10 overall after the Rams selected him with the 10th overall pick. Jacksonville just seems to be missing that running back. I think that really opens things up for Blake Bortles. I don't think he really had a bad rookie season. When you look at all the the changes that they underwent, um, he got uh, three new uh, receivers to throw to last year. Marquise Lee is there. Allen Robinson from Penn State was having a phenomenal season, uh, actually before his uh, injury shelved him for the year. Allen Hearns, an undrafted rookie out of Miami, showed some glimpses. As a matter of fact, the very first game, he had over 100 yards against Philadelphia by halftime. He sh- again, he showed uh, some glimpses. So there's, there's some targets there. He's trying to play like Julius Thomas. They always say that a, a good pass-catching tight end is a young quarterback's best friend. I think now getting the running game going is something that's really going to help Jacksonville tremendously. They should be looking for a running back at some point in this draft. And at number 37, same thing can be seen said for the Jets. They want, uh, obviously, a strong running game, something they've lacked the last few years. T.J. Yeldon, the running back out of Alabama, at number 37 off the board going to the Jets. 38, another person who had really slid down the board, Landon Collins, we currently have him pegged for Washington at number 38. Maybe more of a strong safety. Guy who's going to play more run support, kind of be like an extra linebacker, not as good in pass coverage. A team like Washington, they've got needs at both safety positions. Landon Collins a very good fit there. At number 39, the Chicago Bears, Eddie Goldman, defensive tackle. Another guy who I think uh, had, had first round kind of written all over him. They actually had him just sliding out of the first round, and we were correct in that assumption. But again, with Chicago changing their base defense, going to a 3-4. Uh, Danny Shelton, at, at one point, maybe early on, before the wide receiver talk had uh, really started to surface, there were a number of people who thought maybe Danny Shelton would be a good fit there with Chicago. Indeed, he would have. But of course, they did go with Kevin White, which was a very good selection. And I think that uh, Eddie Goldman will do a, a very good job there with the Bears, and it's, it's a position of need that they, they have to address. Jalen Collins, who is another player the Bears actually liked, will slide down to number 40. We have him uh, pegged with the New York Giants. Good cornerback there. And at number 41, again, the Rams, maybe more of a luxury pick with uh, Todd Gurley last night. Maybe they have the same here. At number 41, we have them with Doriel Green Beckham, the troubled wide receiver, who spent the first two years of his college career at Missouri before transferring to Oklahoma and ultimately not playing a game. But again, 6'5", 225, guy was a state champion, a 100-yard dash runner in the state of Missouri. So we definitely know that he's got all the athletic talent in the world. Could be the most athletically gifted wide receiver in this draft, but tons of off-the-field baggage. But again, someone's going to take a chance on him. He's just too good to pass up. 
or some people thought that maybe he even snuck into the first round. It seemed like the Bengals or the Ravens would have taken a chance on him. At 42, the Atlanta Falcons, we've got Preston Smith, the defensive end for Mississippi State. Even though they've already got a pass-rushing threat with Vic Beasley, who they took last night to the eighth selection, getting as much pass-rush as possible is something that Atlanta's going to need. Speaking of pass-rush, Eli Harold at number 43, going to the Cleveland Browns from the University of Virginia. Guy that we and I, I've actually had at the end of the first round, I had him pegged 31st overall to the New Orleans Saints. And that's a good segue because the New Orleans Saints pick at 44, and it's the first tight end off the board, Max Williams. And why not? The Saints have already traded away Jimmy Graham. That was the reason why they got the number 31 pick overall. So uh, looks like the Saints will be in need of some tight end services. Williams could go off the board number 42. Atlanta could be a team that's looking hard at him. They're a team that's been struggling at the tight end position since the retirement of Tony Gonzalez. And number 45, another wide receiver that's been heavily sought after and with tons of big play potential, Devin Smith, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. And at number 45, this is the first Ohio State player off the board. I can't remember the last time we had a national champion not have a player drafted in the first round, but but one that just shows you how strong the, Buc- the Buckeyes are going to be going into this season. They have a ton of weight returning talent and probably why they, they should start the season ranked at number one. I think it's going to be Ohio State and TCU at the top of many polls. We'll have to stay tuned to the Fierce 40 when it comes to that, that time of the year. 46, uh, player going a little bit higher than I kind of like, but Donovan Smith, the tackle from Penn State, he's actually at the festivities. He kind of had the, I think had my bet for a guy who was going to stay in the green room for the longest, at number 46 going to San Francisco. 47, Bernardrick McKinney, very good linebacker, someone who I had as a top 20 prospect going into this season. Was a fantastic freshman, really struggled with his sophomore year. Showed enough uh, this past year that, to make him actually declare. You have him going to Miami with a 47 selection. 48. We've talked about quarterbacks and when they'll be going off the board. Phillip Rivers is going to stay in San Diego, but for how long? Just in case he doesn't, Brett Hunley, number 48, going to the San Diego Chargers. Pretty close to where he played his college ball at UCLA. And as a matter of fact, if the Chargers make the moves to L.A., well, then it's probably the backyard of where he used to play. At number 49, Kansas City did go out and take Marcus Peters, but of course we all know they need wide receiver help. Sammy Coates wide receiver from Auburn. It'll be a very good selection for the Chiefs here. Again, no touchdowns from their wide receivers a year ago. That means the Buffalo Bills are the last team to actually have their very first pick. Well, actually, the second-last team. Seattle's not picked yet. But Bryce Petty, quarterback from Baylor, I don't necessarily think this is the greatest fit, but I think Buffalo is enamored with Petty. I think they will go quarterback, if not in the second round, and probably in the third if we see Buffalo go in another direction, I would expect a defensive tackle or maybe an interior lineman. At 51, if this guy's healthy, he's definitely a first-rounder. Jalen Strong, the wide receiver out of Arizona State. As a matter of fact, the top two wide receivers I had for this class going into the season were Doriel Green-Beckham and Jalen Strong out of Arizona State. Now, Strong is going to more than likely need wrist surgery. He's been playing with a broken bone in his wrist since November. He did not want to miss any of his team's games going down the stretch or shelf himself for the season. Played through it, kind of at that awkward point now where they were seeing if they could actually go without uh, actually having surgery, but it looks like 
surgery is imminent at some point, so I think feeling strong taking care of that sooner rather than later. The question is how long he's going to be out. Is he going to miss any time? A little bit of uncertainty there. I think cost Jalen Strong a first-round selection. <laughs> going around two, excuse me. Philadelphia Eagles at number 52, a player that they liked, and some teams were actually thinking about at the end of round one. I actually had him going 32 to the New England Patriots. Eric Rowe, the corner slash safety out of Utah, had some safety experience but played more corner at Utah. I think his versatility and size is something that's going to intrigue a team like Philadelphia. Number 53, here he is. A lot of people think that maybe he would slide just a little bit farther into the third round, but we've got Randy Gregory going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Leave it to a player like Marvin Lewis to bring in a, a guy with some off-the-field baggage like Gregory, but we do know Cincinnati dead last in the NFL last season sacking quarterback. Definitely a team that is looking for some pass rush off the edge, so Randy Gregory seems to be a natural fit in this position. Carl Davis at number 54 defensive tackle that I absolutely love. I've made light of the fact uh, on many occasions I've talked about him being the defensive MVP at the Senior Bowl throughout the week of practices and with the media. Defensive tackle out of Iowa that is very versatile that you can line up in a number of positions. Number 55, Arizona, with the player that Jared has said that I just love saying his name, the, the best name in this draft, Oamagbi Adigizua, the defensive end from UCLA. Excuse me, going to Arizona at number 55. Number 56, Pittsburgh finally addresses that secondary with Alex Carter, the corner from Stanford. I think you can see them going heavily at corner and at safety as they look for hopefully an eventual and long-term replacement for Troy Palomalu. Number 57, Carolina with a player that I have said could wind up ultimately being the best running back stat-wide out of this draft, Duke Johnson, the running back from the University of Miami. Carolina, of course, we've seen D'Angelo Williams move on. They, they've lost a lot, of, a lot of man games over the last few seasons to uh, injury at running back. So I think that getting in a, a young horse that they can give the ball to for at least uh, 20 times a game is something that's going to be high on Carolina's priority list, possibly even help on special teams with returns. Duke Johnson, a very good fit here for Carolina. At number 58, we have the Baltimore Ravens with Jordan Phillips, the big defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Draft-eligible sophomore who declared, see him as the heir apparent to Haloti Nada. Of course, Haloti Nada actually left the Ravens and is now with the Detroit Lions. At 59, the Denver Broncos with Reese Dismukes, the center out of the University of Auburn. Uh, looking for, again, some interior line there, and Denver's going to do as much as possible try and keep Peyton Manning upright, get as many years out of Peyton Manning as possible. They're hoping for three. Coombs looking a little more realistic. Peyton Manning has already been on record saying that this season will not be his last. Pick number 60, the Dallas Cowboys, Daniel Hunter, the defensive end out of LSU. Again, Dallas has a propensity to pick LSU players. They like uh, the SEC, even though they really have not hit a home run with Morris Claiborne. The uh, first rounder they took a couple of years ago out of LSU, the talented cornerback, Hunter, really moving up a lot of boards, and, and the fact that he just had a phenomenal workout. His numbers were just out of this world. He's going to need some time. He's not a guy that you're going to bring in and is going to knock it out of the park right away. But, again, they got that with DeLarence Jackson as well, uh, the player they got from Boise State via the USC route. 
another person along those same lines. So a couple of defensive ends that Dallas has that they can kind of mentor and bring along a little bit slower, still looking for maybe that one impact guy. Maybe they bring in a, uh, a I would say, a veteran at some point to, to try and help these guys along and kind of let them be a, a leader in the locker room. At 61, the Indianapolis Colts, Deron Smith, safety out of Fresno State. Uh, he did have some uh, injury problems down the, uh, at the end of the season, but again, he was actually an all-conference performer for four years. To me, he was one of the three best safeties in this draft. Going into the season, I thought that he was the only one that could challenge Landon Collins to be the top safety in this draft, and Demarius Randall seemed to lay waste to that being taken in the first round by the Packers. But Deron Smith, very, very good and underrated safety. At number 62, Devin Funchess, the tight end slash wide receiver out of Green Bay. Uh, started his career as a tight end, has played more wide receiver over the last year and a half. I think Green Bay might use him more as a tight end. But regardless, it's a big body, someone they can, they can pair with Richard Rodgers or Aaron Rodgers to actually throw to. Very good red zone target. 63, Seattle, they make their first pick. Everyone's actually made a pick now, presuming that they don't trade out here and they're, they're making the selection. A.J. Can, the offensive guard, guy that I actually think is the best offensive guard in this draft, out of South Carolina. And to close out round two, New England, Quinton Rollins, one of my favorite players, the corner from the University of Miami of Ohio. Again, only one real season of college football under his belt was the point guard for the Miami of Ohio basketball team. We start off round three. The very first guy off the board is the first guy outside of FBS. Jakirski Tart, the safety from Samford University going to Tampa Bay. Cornerback that I absolutely love. Everybody knows, and if they've listened to the podcast, Jacoby Glenn, the corner from Central Florida who was the defensive player of the year in his conference and was a draft-eligible sophomore. Just doesn't have that top-end speed, and I think the speed has really hurt him, or I think we would have been talking about him at the end of round one. Here we have him going at the very, very top of round three. Jacksonville at 67, we have Ty Sombrello, the offensive tackle out of Colorado State. Much like D.J. Humphreys, the first rounder uh, that I was very critical of uh, going 24th overall to Arizona, the problem with Ty Sombrello doesn't seem to have the NFL physique. Uh, needs to get stronger with his upper body. Needs to spend a lot of time in the weight room. More of a finesse guy at this point. But uh, he turned a lot of heads this past season and, and really – was one of the driving factors in the fact that Colorado State got off to that 10-1 and start, and it really surprised a lot of people in the FBS, FBS this season. Staying along the offensive line at number 68, the Oakland Raiders with Daryl Williams out of the University of Oklahoma. Big-bodied guy, really is going to need help with his footwork at this level. But uh, he really, really improved his run blocking this past year. Was, a, was amazed at the transition or the propensity for Oklahoma to actually follow him on their sweeps a little bit more. They kind of went to his side more this season than they had in years past. But again, I think in pass protection and his back pedal, they're going to have to work on his footwork. It's a little bit choppy, a little bit sloppy, but he's a pretty good project, very good, and he's got the size that you, you can't teach. Uh, seems to have an NFL body. At 69, the Washington Redskins with Nate Orchard, the defensive end out of University of Utah, could be more of an outside linebacker type. And, again, Washington's going to be looking for pass rushers. They lost Brian Arakpo, who has moved on to Tennessee. Ryan Kerrigan's actually going to be a free agent after this season. 
And there's some talk that maybe with uh, – there's a lot of contracts that are going to be up in, in Washington. They're not going to be able to sign everyone. There's going to have to be a contingency plan there if the Redskins are not able to bring Ryan Kerrigan back into the fold. Speaking of linebackers, one that was very productive and was the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten was Paul Dawson uh, out of TCU. We have him going 70 off the board of the New York Jets. The Jets just keep getting richer and richer and uh, along that front seven. There's no issues with the front seven in that defense. A little bit inconsistency with the back of the uh, the defense in the secondary, but again, signing uh, Revis Island and getting him back in a Jets jersey is what many of the fans faithful hope is going to cure the ills that uh, seemed to plague the secondary just a season ago. <clears throat> Excuse me, at number 71, another linebacker that I really like, more of an inside presence. You can put him on the inside or outside, however. Denzel Perryman out of Miami of Florida going to the Chicago Bears. And Chicago really needs to toughen up the defense, especially up the middle. Perryman a little bit small in stature at only 5'11", but at 240, 245. Maybe the best tackler, pure tackler at inside linebacker, very good technique, doesn't quite have the sideline speed that a player like Eric Kendricks had, but uh, kind of reminiscent of London Fletcher, uh, very, very good tackler in, in short, confined spaces, uh, and he doesn't need a lot of help around him. He's going to make a lot of solo tackles. A little bit of a project at number 72, but good safety going to the Rams, Darrell Eskridge out of Syracuse University another player who declared a year early, uh, maybe the hardest hitter actually at the safety position. He's a guy that can really lay the wood, and that's something that Cincinnati needs in the back to kind of go with that fearsome front seven that they already possess. At 73, the Atlanta Falcons, they get their running back, Amir Abdullah, running back out of the University of Nebraska. Uh, there's still some hope for Devontae Freeman. He's never really given the chance to be the primary back last year, and I do like what he offers. The real question is, is he a guy that you can depend on to be a three-down back and really have the size to be a prototypical uh, 20 to 25 carry back for a team. I think Amir Abdullah, again, a little bit in, smaller in stature, but uh, is built, is a lot thicker than a player like Devonta Freeman. Now, Amir Abdullah held on to the ball pretty well this year, but in years past, he did have a propensity to <coughs> cough up the football a bit. Hopefully, that is something that his senior season has seemed to have cured, and Amir Abdullah, uh, also a very good pass catcher out of the backfield, something that Matt Ryan will be very, very thankful for. Number 74, we have the New York Giants with Mario Edwards Jr., defensive end out of Florida State. Really seems to be another tweener type, but a lot of times when we talk about tweeners, we're talking about defensive ends slash outside linebackers. With Edwards, it's whether you put him on the interior or outside. And again, with New York and highly publicized NASCAR package. They like to get those third-down defensive ends and kind of put them all over. He's a guy that you can move around the line. He's more of kind of a joker type of position as well. Mario Edwards, I don't see him coming in and being a starter from day one, but the Giants will like his versatility and the fact that you can line him up at multiple positions on the football field. At number 75, the New Orleans Saints with Trey Jackson, the offensive guard from Florida State. You go Florida State back-to-back. Craig Jackson looked like the runaway favorite to be uh, the top offensive guard taken. When the season began, as a matter of fact, he was the only first-round prospect he had graded out of offensive guard. I think he's just a little bit guilty of, of being a little bit on the lazy side, and, and also he could get away with it more because at Florida State there was just so much talent on that line. You had Bobby Hart around you. You had a Jose Matias, so many 
a Cameron Irving who moved around the line. There were so many good players and moving parts that Craig Jackson really just did not stand out on film this year, but he really didn't have to. I think it hurt his draft position a little bit because he's not as versatile as some of the other linemen that I mentioned there. But here we go. I'm going in the third round. New Orleans could really use a beefier interior presence along their line. Number 76, the Minnesota Vikings finally get that running back. Does Adrian Peterson stay or go? But here they get maybe one of the most undervalued all-around players in this draft and another guy outside of FBS, David Johnson, the running back from Northern Iowa. And David Johnson is a very interesting player because not only is he a bigger back at about 225 pounds, standing about 6'1", 6'1", and a quarter, he could be one of those smaller H-back types. You can actually split him out, maybe even put him in a tight end a bit. Again, that an H-back, kind of line him up in the field as, field as a fullback, and he can do as much damage with his hands as he actually does with his feet running the football. At number 77, Garrett Grayson. There's another quarterback going off the board to the Cleveland Browns. And why not? Let's talk about another quarterback because it's 78, Sean Mannion out of Oregon State. Bad senior year, good career, but the Oregon State lost a lot of weapons like uh, Brandon Cooks. They really never got Con- Connor Hamlet, the tight end that I was very high on kind of going this year. But we've got back-to-back quarterbacks there going at 77, 78. Maybe causes a little mini train of quarterbacks per se. Number 79, Buck Allen, the running back from USC, staying in state and going to San Francisco. Even though they have Carlos Hyde there, they do want another person toting the football. And after a long absence, of course, Frank Gore is now with Indianapolis. Marcus Lattimore, unfortunately, never recovered from the uh, multiple tears that he suffered with his ACL, PCL, MCL, patella. He tore just about everything in his knee on multiple occasions. Uh, Has walked away from the game and unfortunately was not able to recover from the last serious injury he had with South Carolina. Number 80, we have our second Buckeye off the board, Michael Bennett, the defensive tackle from Ohio State going to Kansas City. Good interior presence. We all know that Andy Reid likes his linemen, whether it be on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. Staying with a defensive tackle, Xavier Cooper, defensive tackle, another one that declared early out of Washington State, going to the Buffalo Bills. Very good player. Was a little bit disappointed because Cooper was one of those players I thought, even though he had a lot of talent, was probably going to go in the second or third rounds. Had he stayed for a senior season, I thought he could have set himself apart, maybe being one of the maybe the first or second defensive tackle off the board. A little bit lighter, plays with a lot of speed. Uh, I think Buffalo is, is looking for a good mixture of you know, 330-pound studs that are kind of anchors on the line and people they can bring in, especially in – passing situations and really get a little more penetration from the middle of their line. Number 82, Ronis Grossu, the center from University of Oregon going to Houston. And he had called Cameron Irving there in the first round. Guy can play multiple positions, but Grossu, to me, the best true center in this draft, and I think could be the replacement for Chris Myers, was no longer with Houston and was one of the more, I'd say, steady and dependable offensive linemen that you never heard about. Number 83, San Diego getting some more pass rushing help with outside linebacker Lorenzo Molden, uh, actually out of Louisville. Molden's a guy that, interesting case, uh, he's got all the talent to, to possibly be a first-rounder, but the consistency was just never there. Uh, I think he needs a little more uh, upper-body strength, but he plays with good leverage, and uh, he's, he's actually seen him drop into coverage on a few occasions with Louisville, and uh, he's a little bit deceptive with, uh, with in coverage and maybe his closing speed, so 
he's an interesting prospect. At number 84 overall, and I think this is kind of significant because I think this is the highest anyone from Division Three has been drafted since 1994 when the player went 84th overall. That was Chris Warren. Ali Marbit going to the Eagles. Uh, he's an offensive tackle, probably will play a guard at the next level. He's from Hobart College. A uh, number of teams really liked him. Kansas City was, was is high on him. Uh, Cleveland looks like he's going to be going during day two. Here the Philadelphia Eagles get another interior presence along the line, maybe someone to fill the void left by Todd Harriman, who's also uh, in Indianapolis with fellow Eagle cast-off Trent Cole. Number 85, the Cincinnati Bengals with Rashad Green, wide receiver from the Florida Seminoles, who I think is a, a good receiver, not a great receiver. But the thing is, he doesn't really do anything wrong. You look at his game, it's a, it's a complete game. He doesn't have top-end speed. He's not the most precise route runner. But, again, there's really no glaring deficiencies. Maybe just a bulk up a little bit. He's not the biggest target. But he is a six-foot, although it, it's kind of a quiet six-foot. He looks a little bit smaller. But Rashad Green could possibly even help a team in the punt return game also. Kevin Coleman going number 86 to Arizona, the running back from the University of Indiana. Interesting player because Kevin Coleman, I think, has the – Athletic ability to be chosen at the end of the first round, early second round is where we had had him pegged for a long time. But he did suffer that foot injury that uh, ultimately he needed surgery on, was not able to uh, work out at the combine, had set two different workout dates where he was going to work out for teams as late as April the 15th. Both times he was unable to work out because that foot injury is kind of lingered. Now, again, he's should be ready, no problem for camp. There, there's no time that should be missed on the field. But there are some teams that are a little bit concerned that that foot injury seemed to linger longer than what it should have. I think that's going to drop him down the boards a little bit. But we have him at 86. Arizona getting some very good value with Kevin Coleman, who, again, went over 2,000 yards for Indiana this past season. Number 87, the Pittsburgh Steelers. In the third round, they get the heir apparent for Heath Miller, tight end Clive Walford from the University of Miami, a place that you can actually probably refer to as tight end university. We've seen a number of very good tight ends come out of there on past years with Greg Olson probably being the, the greatest example. But uh, Walford, a little bit banged up during the private workout sessions as well. But to me, he had the best uh, best year of any tight end in the ACC, even surpassing what we saw from Nick O'Leary out of Florida State. Number 88, the Detroit Lions going with Anthony Harris. Big in the ACC, good safety product out of the University of Virginia. Uh, really a, a top-end hitter for a guy that only goes about 185, 190. Uh, there's some better hitters in the in this draft uh, at the safety position, but I'm not sure there's any that are his size. Pound for pound, might bring the biggest punch from the safety position. At number 89, the Carolina Panthers with Yozuma Tias, actually, again, staying in the ACC. Here we are at Florida State. As a matter of fact, we're going to stay with Florida State for the next three picks. Carolina takes Matthias, and then we've got two cornerbacks who fall a little bit and I think uh, are a very good value. At number 90, the Baltimore Ravens get Ronald Darby, and at number 91, the Dallas Cowboys get P.J. Williams, all from Florida State University. It's just the way it wound up here on the board. P.J. Williams probably being the most talented of the three, but he did uh, he's run into some off-the-field problems. And uh, Dallas is a team that, you know, some – 
some people criticize them for their signing of some players with some off-the-field issues, Greg Hardy being a good example this past offseason. But overall, Dallas has done a pretty good job of curbing those players and making sure they're on the straight and narrow once they actually come aboard. So I do applaud that Dallas. They've, they seem to have a pretty good support system in place. They've done a good job with that over the years. Number 92, the Denver Broncos. We're going to stay at the cornerback position. Juan Smith, the corner out of Florida Atlantic, seems to be that smaller slot-type corner that I think is going to carry a lot of value in Denver. They're very interchangeable with their cornerbacks back in that uh, position. Uh, Dewan Smith is someone that might not uh, is a little bit smaller, might not be the, the starter uh, at, the, at the NFL level, but I think he's a good third corner. He's someone, and as someone that's pretty pro-ready, even playing at a smaller school, you're going to see some immediate dividends from a player like Dewan Smith. Number 93, Indianapolis. Jeremiah Patalsi, the offensive tackle out of the uh, University of Utah. Big, big body there. Possibly even move him into guard. Or maybe the speed's a little bit of a factor. Regardless of where they put him, he's got tremendous reach, and he's excuse me, more of a mauler. Should help the, the Indianapolis running game. We'll have to see who's toting the ball there in Indianapolis. It's no secret that the running game is what's been lacking uh, in that offense. Number 94, the Green Bay Packers go with Ramique Wilson, the inside linebacker from Georgia. Here, the Green Bay actually finally addresses that inside linebacker position. There's been some talk, well, more than talk. Everyone has seen the fact that they need to get a little bit tougher up the, the middle of the defense. It was much publicized, the inside move by Clay Matthews last year, moving him from his natural outside linebacker position, putting him inside. Uh, Green Bay seemed to, to have some success with that, but it doesn't seem to be a plan like where they want to stick with this for a 16-game uh, schedule. Uh, there's a little more versatility and being able to move Clay Matthews between that linebacker spot or maybe even letting him stand up and, and play a defensive end spot. It took away from his versatility, even though he put up some good numbers at the, the inside linebacker spot. I think they want more of a prototypical inside linebacker there and allow Clay Matthews a little more freedom to line up in multiple places and cause some headaches for our offensive coordinators around the league. Number 95, a very good but small wide receiver, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver out of Kansas State going to Seattle. Seattle only seven touchdowns out of their wide receivers last year, which was second fewest in the league, but that was seven more than what Kansas City gave us. And again, uh, a lot of people remember Kevin Lockett, uh, uncle to Tyler Lockett, and was one of the better receivers also in the Kansas State program. Number 96 and 97, we have back-to-back picks at the end of this round. Uh, for the New England Patriots. We'll start with Tyler Croft, tight end out of Rutgers. I really thought that Tyler Croft had a, had a chance to be the top tight end in this draft when the season began, if he declared. He did, and unfortunately just never seemed to get on track. Uh, Rutgers, off, Rutgers offense kind of flowed this year. They, it wasn't that he didn't perform. It just seemed like he was not involved as much with the passing game. You know, Gary Nova, they, it was more of a vertical passing game than we've seen in years past. And uh, a little bit more with the, the blocking and, and schematics. Tyler Croft just didn't seem to have the opportunity, but he's got all the talents that you're looking for at tight end. Second pick there would be Jeremy Langford, the running back out of Michigan State. Again, there's been some changes there in the backfield. LeGarrette Blunt uh, is back with uh, is back with the Patriots. There's not a lot as when it comes to depth at the position. And LeGarrette Blunt, a lot of people should remember, he's going to actually have to sit out the very first game of the season. You put a player maybe like Langford, if he has a good camp, is able to learn to start, 
know, maybe he hits the ground and per se and doesn't relinquish the job. Who knows? Seems to be a stable of act by committee there in New England, so getting another horse for that stable is probably a good thing to do. That leaves us with two more selections that are both compensatory picks. Of course, they cannot be traded. At number 98, the Kansas City Chiefs with Rob Havenstein, offensive tackle out of Wisconsin. Big corn-fed Wisconsin boy that goes about 340 pounds. And we all know that Andy Reid, again, loves those offensive linemen. He's going to have to take some, someone at some point, uh, three, three picks for the Chiefs during the second day of the draft. I would say if, if you were placing some odds in Vegas, the, the chances of one of those three being an offensive lineman are very high. And then very interesting, excuse me, the last pick of uh, day two, 99th overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, Josh Shaw, the cornerback from USC. Josh Shaw is a guy who I think was a border, had borderline first-round potential, looked to be a second-rounder, and if that name sounds familiar, that's because he is the person that got himself into hot water when the season began, jumping off the balcony, uh, actually had the false, and he was claiming that he was saving, I believe it was his nephew, from drowning, and then it, it wound up being a case where he was uh, breaking curfew and was actually jumping from the deck of, uh, I believe it was his girlfriend, sprained both of his ankles and missed a large portion of the season. Shaw came back there at the end of the year, had a flawless senior bowl, and, you know, before that incident, he was really looked at as a leader along the defense. I think teams are kind of looking at this now more of, as more of an isolated incident, something that's not going to be repetitive. He's never been in any other type of trouble. And getting Josh, a player like Josh Shaw, number 99, is very, very good value because, again, it doesn't seem like he's a repeat offender. I think there's a very good chance we see him at some point coming off the board. Maybe this is a little bit lower than I think he goes, but uh, Cincinnati getting a player like this at 99 to close the second day is excellent value. Anyway, I will be back on. Make sure to come back to draft site. We will have the wrap-up of what actually happens with the conclusion uh, in about an hour and 45 minutes. We'll see when the uh, draft begins. Everybody have a great time. And, again, I'll see you in just a few. We'll go over what happened in round two. Stay tuned for tomorrow. We'll have the pre-show, per se, for rounds four through seven, and we'll wrap that up as well. See everybody on the flip side, but you don't even have to wait that long. If you log into draftsite.com or follow our Twitter feed, I will be posting and tweeting throughout the draft process as I did yesterday. So thank you very much, guys. Talk to you soon. Nobody told you